that. Today uh, is going to be part two in our Advent Christmas sermon series called Anticipated Arrival. Uh, I don't know if you caught, uh, there's been a uh, video going around the internet of this little girl, probably one year old, uh, who has uh, looks, stands on her couch looking out the picture window from her house and one of her favorite things that she's been doing ever since she was able to stand up and look over the back of the couch out the picture window in front of the house is when the mailman named Ian comes by and every day when he comes by he looks for her and if she's there he does a, a funny dance the whole way up to uh, deliver the mail and mixes it up a little bit as he walks out uh, the walkway and she dances with him and parents put on music for her and, and they dance and, and it's one of her favorite times of the day she's anticipating the arrival of the mailman uh ian and uh, what uh, what an amazing wonderful example of the way we can spread joy in the world just with simple acts of kindness being aware of somebody else last sunday we looked at the reality that jesus is here and now his anticipated arrival is here and now available with us jesus is with you and today, what I want to actually look at is the anticipated arrival of Jesus that is yet to come. It's something that Jesus predicted. And remember, we got to remember who we're talking about. We're talking about this unique person in history who was predicted, the predicted Messiah, who was the revealed Son of God, born to a virgin in a miracle birth that was remarkable in history, who also predicted that he was going to have a sacrificial death, taking on himself all of our sins and mistakes. He predicted that he would be put to death, wrongfully accused, put to death, and that he would come back to life on the third day, that he would be resurrected. And then it happened, just like he predicted it happened. He was put to death. He was raised to life on the third day. He is our Savior, our Messiah, and it's personal. It's a, a close personal relationships that he that he makes available with him. He makes that available to us. And in John chapter 14, we uh, come to the story where Jesus is predicting this for his followers, people that he had been with, spent close personal time with. He's predicting that these events are going to happen. He's going to be put to death. He's going to raise back to life on the third day. And that after some time with him, he'll return to the Father in the heavenlies. In John chapter 14, we get some of the things from the eyewitness accounts that he said to his followers. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you will always be with me where I am. That's John 14 verses 1 through 3. Jesus predicted this anticipated arrival that is yet to come that we are still waiting for now jesus will return 
That's what we believe. And there's, there's many reasons we believe that. And I know that this may be new to you. It may be foreign. It might sound a little bit crazy. And I want you to know that we actually believe that doubt and, and reason and, and questions and pursuing the, the truth with evidence is, is something that's important for you. And so I just want to recommend um, reading. If, if you're very new to this and, and it's difficult to even believe some of the, the things that I've said about Jesus, More Than a Carpenter, um, More Than a Carpenter by Josh uh, McDowell is a great book to help uh, with that pursuit. And also maybe just even the eyewitness accounts or something that you're not sure you trust. So why should I trust the Bible? Uh, Timothy Paul Jones, a great uh, book to help you with that pursuit. And for <clears throat> Uh, most of us, if you're maybe not wrestling with those specific questions, I'm re recommending the book by Philip Yancey, The Jesus I Never Knew. As a wonderful, intimate, uh, but profound and reasonable and helpful book uh, to take a look at Jesus and see some things maybe you've never seen before. Why? Why should I expect the return of Jesus? And, you know, maybe if you are, are struggling with that still, uh, myself or somebody in our church family would be happy to walk with you through some of the basic questions through the Purple Book. Why did Jesus die? Why does it matter? Why was it necessary? What does it mean that he was raised to life? What do I do with that? And what's the deal with the church? What's the purpose with the church? All those things. 52 lessons here. With some, It's mostly questions gives you um, scripture references to look up to help find the answers and open-ended questions for discussion. It's incredibly, incredibly helpful. And while I'm at it, I might as well just tell you about a couple more. Maybe uh, during this difficult holiday season, uh, you find yourself dealing with uh, unresolved anger or hurt. Uh, maybe <clears throat> it it's brought you to a place of life's hurts, hangups, and habits. Maybe it's uh, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, um, or, or some other way that you're self-medicating. I definitely recommend Life's Healing Choices by John Baker and our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Uh, it's so very helpful. If you've read that already, but you haven't read No Perfect People Allowed by John Burke, man, I recommend this. No Perfect People Allowed by John Burke will help you recognize that your life has a story, it has a journey, and that um, whether it be substance abuse or sexual brokenness, identity issues, or even just a difficulty to think about trusting God, if that just seems like completely foreign and crazy to you, no perfect people allowed is going to help with that. And also, uh, maybe you don't want to look at any of that. Maybe you want to look at what the Bible has to say Listen, I would be glad to walk that journey with you at cityharborchurch.com, the pastor's daily page. Every day you'll see where I'm reading the scripture, journaling about it, writing down some questions and some answers about it. want to make sure that that's available to you. <clears throat> I just want to be upfront from the beginning that there are, uh, for some of us, it's, it's even a question of, should I care? Why does this matter to me, um, this Jesus that you are talking about, and, and even whether or not I should be expecting his return? Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. This is written to believers of Jesus. Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, 
not to deal with our sins, he's already done that, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. And that salvation word is an ultimate fulfillment, an ultimate completion of salvation word. This predicted, this anticipated arrival of Jesus was something that the believers have always been looking for because they heard the words of Jesus. Uh, Certainly, um, it's something that we should be aware of, that we should be looking to. And so I want to just look at, let's go right to the source, the eyewitness accounts. What are the things that Jesus said about his return that's yet to come? Because I believe Jesus will return, and I'm looking forward to that. It's not something to be afraid of. What did Jesus say about it? And what did his followers believe about it? Which we actually see evidenced even in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when they're quoting what Jesus said. So we see that there will be signs that redemption is near. Uh, And I'm not going to verbally give you all the scripture references today. They're going to be on the screen. They're going to be in the notes available, cityharborchurch.com slash messages or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, So when Jesus returns, everyone will be aware of it. He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. So it's not something that we need to be afraid that we're going to miss. I think some people have some kind of strange ideas about that. And boy, has that come to light in the public narratives in 2020. No, you're not going to miss it. It's going to be obvious. The fakers, the pretenders, the people that will say that they are Jesus returned are going to be an obvious sham. It will be proven that it will be wrong because when Jesus returns, everyone will know. Everyone on earth will know that this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Uh, but it will um, it will also be unexpected. Jesus made it very clear. He taught it and his followers believed it, that it's, it's going to be a surprise um, and that no one will predict when it's going to happen. It's why uh, you've never heard me making claims uh, about the events of 2020, that this is the, 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 this is the month that Jesus is going to return. Here's what Jesus himself taught. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. He's talking about his return. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. He's referring to himself. He's saying, I don't even know when I'm going to return. Only the father knows. Jesus is saying that father God is going to be the one who tells him when it's time to come back. And what we saw in John 14 is that it's going to be at a time when everything in the heavenlies is prepared, is ready for us to have this uninterrupted time of relationship with Jesus. So everyone will be aware of it. It will be unexpected. No one will be able to predict it. Uh, the believers who heard this, uh, this is what they were um, would say to each other. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. We tell you this directly from the Lord. That sentence is saying, hey, listen, what we're about to say, God said this. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns, when Jesus comes back, those of us who are still alive, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. So what what they're saying is that, hey, if 
here and now for us that are still alive right now, if Jesus comes back today, we're not going to be the first ones to see him. The ones who have already died will see him first because they will be uh, resurrected. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. This was something that was talked about on a regular basis among Jesus' followers that identified themselves, that were called Christians, that were by other people, that were called the church. They were expecting this return of Jesus. They were expecting that it would include that the believers, the followers who had died in the past would come to life and that all believers, all time, would be able to live in an uninterrupted, close personal relationship with Jesus for, for eternity. Now, what we see is that in that moment, that resurrection life is going to be very real. There will be this resurrection, just kind of underscoring what we just talked about. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. We are citizens of heaven. That's so important. I want you to just think about that. Your first citizenship is not to Baltimore City, is not to the United States. That's why the mayor, the president, none of those people are your ultimate authority. If you identify as a Jesus follower, Jesus is the one you should be the most concerned about. Jesus is the one you should be the most focused on. Jesus will return. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he brings everything under his control. Now, it's important for us to note that the believers that talked about this in Philippians, this was not fantasy. And this was not living in denial of the difficulty of their everyday that's why it references the brokenness that they had in their physical bodies and in their world. It's saying, listen, things in our world are out of control and our bodies get weak and tired and broken and diseased and there is death. But one day, Jesus, who already has won a victory over death with his resurrection, Jesus will return. There will be no more disease, no more suffering, no more death. There will be an ultimate victory over death. And the things that are out of control in this world, the things that are so broken and so messed up, will be set right. There will be no more humans taking advantage of each other, stealing from each other, gossiping about each other, misusing, abusing each other, killing each other. There will be no more of that. There will be peace real peace, lasting peace, healthy peace, where everyone benefits. That's what is in the future. God is going to make all things new. Jesus will set things right. Check this out. I am looking for Jesus. 
because of the difference that Jesus made in my own life. You know, after 10,000 failures, Thomas Edison's team of innovators had found it impossible for a light bulb to uh, light up a room for more than 10 minutes. They were not expecting the miraculous when they put in that new bulb experiment, a new filament, uh, tried a new combination, and yet what they discovered was the, the right light bulb combination to provide light for more than 12 hours before it burned out. I'm so glad I found Jesus. I'm so glad I found Jesus. I'm so glad it didn't take me more than 10,000 relationships with people to find Jesus. Listen, people are amazing and and people are eternal and they can can be fulfilling in many ways and, and we're wired for eternal relationship, but none of them are perfect. None of them are Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I found Jesus. I'm so glad that I can be confident and hopeful for his return. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to see his return. I'm looking. I'm looking forward for it. Jesus, who's described in the prophecies before his birth that we remember at this time of year, and by eyewitnesses at the time of his birth as the light of the world, where we live in darkness, where there is darkness and brokenness in our world, it is Jesus Christ who is the light, who is that miracle. That's why the believers in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, would say this, And when Christ, who is your life, who is all of our life, when Christ is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. If you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is your Messiah, whenever he returns, whether you are still alive on this earth or not, you will share in his glory, which is going to be uninterrupted, which is going to be transcendent above any opposing force, above anyone else, anything else, any other spiritual entity that would want to defy. Jesus Christ will be victorious His love is going to be obvious. It's going to be transcendent. It's going to be possible, powerful, and you will share in his glory. Jesus will return. The followers of Jesus were looking forward to his return as a blessed hope. Check this out. Titus chapter 2 verse 13. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. We look forward with hope. I hope today you are filled with hope. Now, where should our focus be? Um, At the time that Jesus walked the earth, people were making the same mistakes then that they're making now, getting distracted by thoughts of the end of this world and this, that, and the other, trying to predict when it's going to happen and and getting distracted by thinking, oh, things are bad, so it must mean that it's going to happen. And Jesus had conversations where he repeatedly would try to return their focus to the most important things. They would ask him about the timing, and he'd say, listen, that's not for you to be focused on. 
You should, you know, recognize spiritual signs of spiritual discernment, but you shouldn't be focused on that. Jesus calls people away from that distraction to focus on their relationship with the living God. And it's really important for us when we think about the return of Jesus that we don't do this in an immature and selfish way. The most important thing about this is not, hey, my life is terrible and I want it to be better and Jesus is going to come comfort me and rescue me from all my troubles. No, that's that's an amazing benefit of this, but it's not what you should be focused on. What you should be focused on is your close personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that we don't have this immature, selfish relationship with God, with Jesus, who's, who's not a genie in a bottle, that we have a relationship for what we, with, who, that we have a relationship with just for what we can get out of him. That's a really upside down, backwards approach to it. What we should have is this wholehearted fully devoted, close, personal relationship with Jesus. And he gave us some instructions about what that what that um, should look like. But just to kind of summarize, here's what I'm saying. Jesus will return. The return of Jesus will be personal, visible and glorious, a blessed hope for which we should constantly watch and pray. I want to say that again. The return of Jesus will be personal, visible and glorious, a blessed hope for which we should constantly watch and pray. Well, what should we do about this? Well, Jesus actually uh, gave us some instructions of what we should do about it. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day talking about the day when he would return. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon every living thing on earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a, uh, a nickname, as it were, that Jesus would use to refer to himself. Jesus is saying, be alert, be focused. Don't get bogged down by your your cravings, making mistakes, self-medicating, drunkenness. And don't get weighed down, distracted by the worries of this life, this life which is temporary. Don't let that distract you from what is most important, what is going to last forever. We see more instruction about this from John who had a close personal relationship with Jesus, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, remain in fellowship with Christ. That's that close personal relationship we talked about last week. Remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. If we're in a close personal relationship with God, as we're growing in that, we're going to have a confident hope for his return, not fear, and not shame. This is really important. It's really important that if you're feeling those things, that we talk about those things, that we process those things. But what do we do about this and how do we do it? Jesus gave us actually some specific instruction that was really clear. Matthew 22, the verses 37 through 40, Jesus says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And that would be my question to us today. Are you just hoping that the trials, difficulties of today is just going to go away without loving God with the best of your energy? 
That's what Jesus instructs us to do on good days and bad days. And when there's victory and when there's suffering, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Explaining it a little bit further, John chapter 15, uh, when we talked about this last week, because I want us to kind of unpack it and apply it so that it would be real in our lives. Jesus says, remain in me, stay in close personal relationship with me, and I will remain in you. There's a few different ways he talks about how this close personal relationship works. My words, he said, when my words remain in you, so we need to be hearing what Jesus has taught, taking that in, remain in my love. That's the agape love word. When we are staying in that agape kind of love, faithful, patient, kind love for God and for others. And when we are obeying the instructions of Jesus, um, So how does it work? What do we do about this? Well, first and foremost, what I'm inviting you to do today is to spend time with Jesus. You're not going to die if you turn everything with the screen off and have some quiet time to be more focused on Jesus Christ than anything else. It could be the best thing you do all week. It could be the most therapeutic, the most beneficial, the most life-giving Just spend some time with Jesus. Think about the things that we've talked about here in this video about Jesus. Reflect on them. Meditate on them. If you have questions about them, write them down. Let's start to pursue the answers to those questions. But spend time with Jesus. When you do, it should turn you to Scripture where you can read the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. So number two, listen to Jesus. Listen to the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus actually specifically says that when you hear his teaching, you should, number three, obey Jesus. He gives us instructions. He tells us, obey these things. This is how it should work for best results. And that included, we talked about it last week, number four, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Jesus gives us very specific, some might even say dramatic, warnings about anything that would take the place of God in our hearts. You might not ever express it that way verbally. You might not ever think that that's what's going on. But really, when we make mistakes of of sin, of following our cravings and self-medicating in ways that are unhealthy and doing things that Jesus specifically told us not to do, um, What has happened is that there has become a disorder in our heart. We've gotten things out of order. It's a spiritual heart disorder. We have, for the moment, valued ourselves more than we value God. We have, in that moment, maybe valued ourselves more than we value other people. And we have, maybe in that moment, valued our way of doing things or or how we think we should be taken care of more than we value God's instructions for how life should go. All of those things result in brokenness. And any of those things would fall under the category of something we should keep away from. Number five, what's so important is that we stay in love. Stay in love with Jesus. Do whatever it takes to stay in love with Jesus. Start your morning with uh, uh, 60 seconds of silence to meditate on the love of God and what it means for you. Meditate on that. 
receive it. Receive that love from God. And then from there, let your response be thankfulness and giving love to God. That's how the relationship works. It's how it's meaningful. What I believe is that we can welcome the anticipated arrival of Jesus here and now in a close personal relationship with him and look forward to it on the day of his return. In this season, when we are celebrating when his anticipated arrival happened with his birth here on earth. And what I think is that we respond to Jesus by staying in a close personal relationship with him, listening to him, obeying him, and loving him. These are the ways, these are the ways that it works, the way that it's meaningful, the way that it's life-giving, that it literally changes things for the better, where now we can be happy where we weren't before, where now we can be full of life where we weren't before, where now we can be at peace even when things are difficult and not overwhelmed by anxiety or depression. God loves you. Jesus is with you. Jesus will return. It is the truth. Can I pray for you today? Lord, I thank you that you are who you said you are. I thank you that you are for us, that you saved us because you love us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, you are with us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, you will return. Please forgive us for where this is difficult, where we get distracted by the things of this life, where we get overwhelmed by them, focused on them more than we should. Forgive us for that, God, and help us turn to you. Help us be more focused on you than anything else. Help us to follow your instruction even as it relates to anticipating your return. Help us to be full of hope that it would press out any area where we are overwhelmed by the things of this world and our worries about them. Forgive us for where we've made mistakes. Help us to receive that forgiveness. Let new life pour into our spirits today that we would be more aware of you than anything else. And hear us now as we express gratitude to you. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining me with this time. Let's go now uh, for our time of worship.